Welcome to PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski, and today we're going to talk about reduction of the nursemaid's elbow. Now, interestingly, in Australia, they call it a pulled elbow, which is, in my humble opinion, such a better name because I don't know of anybody who has a nursemaid. Anyway, this is an incredibly common malady that affects young children, but interestingly, it seems like our pediatric residents don't see it as much as they used to. A lot of these may go to urgent cares or clinics, and it's such a minor procedure that the kid is in and out. Is to teach you all how to recognize a nursemaid's elbow and how to deal with it. All right, so what exactly is a nursemaid's elbow? Well, it's technically radial head subluxation from its usual position ensconced by the annular ligament. So this happens when you have axial traction on a pronated forearm, so palm facing the floor, with the elbow in extension. And this could be lifting a kid up, pulling their arm as they try to go into traffic, that Superman swing, getting dressed, getting undressed, getting into a car seat, getting out of a car seat, tripping, getting the arm stuck in bed slats. Ultimately, the mechanism results in taking that radial head, pulling it distally, and the annular ligament is now out of position. It slips over the radial head, and it gets stuck in the radiohumeral joint. It's pinched in there, and it hurts. That's basically what happens. The normal position of the annular ligament, and annular means loop, is kind of like a scarf at the head and neck of the radius. When the radial head is subluxed, that scarf becomes a hat. So you can envision in your mind's eye that radial head slipping and that ligament now being out of place. There's at least 20,000 a year in the United States, and probably more than that, honestly, because there's lots that reduce spontaneously. The peak is in children ages 1 to 4 years of age, but the range is anywhere from 6 months to 11 years, and I've certainly seen it across that age spectrum. 80% of these are between 1 and 3 years of age, so toddlers to preschoolers. Beyond 5 to 6 years of age, the annular ligament is stiff, and doesn't displace as easily. So that explains anatomically why this happens in younger children. It appears as though more happen to girls than boys, and more occur on the left arm than the right arm. Why is this? Well, more parents are right-handed. So how do you know if it's a nursemaid's elbow? Well, a lot of it is suggested by the history, so ask good questions about how the child was injured. Kids suffering from a nursemaid's elbow are going to hold the affected arm close to their body. The elbow could be extended or slightly flexed. The classic position is the affected arm is held close to the body with the elbow slightly flexed and the opposite hand holding the arm at the wrist. This leads parents to assume that there is a wrist injury. Actually, the kid just doesn't want to move the elbow because of that pinching feeling. The arm that is affected looks completely symmetric to the other. So if you see a big swollen arm or elbow, then it's not a nursemaid's. The nursemaided arm should look exactly the same as the not nursemaided arm, if that makes sense. There's always a normal neurovascular exam, and admittedly that's a bit challenging on kids of this age. There's no pain unless you attempt to move the limb, but sometimes there is maybe some mild tenderness of the radial head, And is this subjective or objective? Is it because the toddler hates you? I don't know. You do not need x-rays to make the diagnosis. 
Genedry in a recent multi-center retrospective FIS database study looked at 77,000 United States children with radio head subluxation. There were x-rays in 29% of the visits. 0.3% of the kids had fractures. So again, these are kids with suspected radio head subluxation going in. A lot of them got x-rays. A lot of these x-rays were negative, And ultimately, it turns out to be nursemaids. All right. So you've taken a good history. You've established that it's a nursemaid's elbow. How do you deal with it? Well, there are two separate maneuvers. I'll tell you which one is preferred in just a moment. So let's start with hyperpronation. So this maneuver is classically performed in the following manner. And yes, this is an audio medium and a visual procedure. So it'd be a good idea to practice this out and maybe look at some videos online. So you take the kid's arm in your hand and sort of hold their hand in a light handshake-like position. With your other hand, you have it at the proximal part of the forearm with your thumb over the radial head. You're then taking the child's arm in full extension and hyperpronating. This essentially means taking the hand, turning the palm down towards the floor, and then turning it further, pointing away from the child. So you have the arm in extension, you're taking the palm, you're turning it down to the floor, and then turning it away from the child so that the thumb points down. If it's successful, you're going to feel a very subtle click or pop often at the radial head. That's why you have your thumb there. I've heard it described in many ways, but it's kind of like a light crack of one of your knuckles, if you can envision that feeling. All right, so that's hyperpronation. Let's talk about supination flexion, the other maneuver. Anecdotally, I think more people come into training having seen or been taught this one before. So you take the affected arm in your hand and you turn the palm up towards the ceiling. So you supinate the hand. Your other hand is at the elbow, again, with your fingers or thumb on the radial head. So with that arm extended and supinated, then you flex it almost all the way up so that the child's palm touches their shoulder. And just like in hyperpronation, you should feel that subtle pop, that thunk or that click. It's not really audible, and it's just a tactile thing. But trust me, even if it's the first time you're doing it, you will know it when you feel it. Now, over the years, I've had some people come in and are taught to do hyperpronation and then to quickly flip the palm into a supination position and then do supination flexion. I think that's a little bit of overkill. Honestly, you're going to pick one maneuver and see if it worked. Again, a little bit of a teaser, but I'm going to tell you which one is better, and there's some evidence behind it. But first and foremost, are you sure that it actually worked? Well, Number one, the kid probably does not like you because you are new and they are a toddler. So after they calm down, get them something to hold with the affected arm. This could be the parent's keys, a cell phone, stickers, popsicle stick, whatever. They can be very tentative. You can allow them up to 15 minutes to sort of settle out and calm down. So in the really anxious child, I like to reduce and then walk away. It's kind of like the mic drop of medicine. Then set a timer on your watch or your device and then come back into the room. Sometimes you felt the pop, you know you reduce them, and they're still not moving their arms. They're still tentative, which I've seen many times over the years. Then just move their arms for them. Grab both of their hands, flex and extend their arms, make them clap. Give them the sense that 
actually their arm feels okay, and then come back and reassess again. So if you did the maneuver, if you felt a pop, or you're not sure if you felt a pop, and you're not sure if you successfully reduced it, then either repeat the original maneuver or try the other one. Observe another 15 to 20 minutes, and if they're still not moving the limb, then you can get an x-ray. So if the x-ray is negative and they still won't move the arm, you've tried two or three times, you've gotten a supervisor, you can't reduce the suspected nursemaids, put them in a long-arm posterior splint, give them a sling, and refer to orthopedics. You can, on occasion, miss a subtle radial head fracture. It's usually a little avulsion fracture. It's non-operative. But again, if the limb wasn't swollen, if it was not asymmetric from the other side, you're not going to try to do a nursemaid's reduction maneuver on a supracondylar fracture of the humerus. And in general, that doesn't work. Okay, coming back to the question of which maneuver is actually better. They've done this study, and they've done it multiple times. The first one was done by Charles Macias, a gentleman I know well. And I still ask him about this study to this very day. It was done in 1998 and published in Pediatrics. Where was I in 1998? I was in college, so I was not reading about nursemaid's elbow. But this was a prospective randomized control trial of 90 children under age 6 years. And they randomized them to either hyperpronation or supination flexion with assessment every 5 minutes. If the child was not normal or reduced by 15 minutes, they repeated the initial maneuver. If they were not normal by 30 minutes, again, continuing the 5-minute assessments, they would attempt the other maneuver. So this study had a, wait for it, crossover arm. If they failed at that point, they got an x-ray of the elbow. So 39 of the 41 patients, so 95% of the hyperpronation group, were reduced successfully on the first attempt. 77% or 34-44 on the supination maneuver were reduced on the first attempt. Only two hyperpronation patients needed two attempts versus 10 in the supination group. The hyperpronation was also very successful in the crossover arm. Other randomized trials have shown similar results. Hyperpronation is superior as the first method. Furthermore, in a study back in 2006 from Green published in Pediatric Emergency Care, parents perceived hyperpronation to be less painful. Maybe that's because you're kind of further away from the kid and not all up in their grill. So I recommend that you do hyperpronation as your first maneuver and you teach that to your trainees. All right, sending the kid home. So after successful reduction, you send him out of there. I don't know, give him a sticker or a popsicle or a double high five or whatever you want to do. I teach willing parents how to reduce. They can do this on their own, and as long as they are sure that the arm is not swollen or they haven't sustained a major injury, they're not going to damage it. The recurrence risk is estimated to be roughly 1 in 4, but this could be a bit of an overestimate because a lot of times the nursemaid spontaneously reduces. And that's the last thing I'll talk about. So say you have a kid who there's a suspected arm injury. They were holding their arm in that classic nursemaid's position or just holding the arm at their side. But by the time you get in the room, they're actually moving their arm. Maybe they got them out of their car seat, right? And that reduced the nursemaid spontaneously. Maybe it was getting them undressed for their nursing assessment. If you're confident that the arm looks normal, that the neurovascular exam is completely normal, and there's no pain and they move their arms symmetrically, and it's the right age bracket, yeah, they probably did have a nursemaid's and it's spontaneously reduced. Same discharge instructions. 
All right, so that's it for this episode of PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. I want you to leave this episode knowing that, yes, there are two maneuvers to reduce a nursemaid's or pulled elbow, but hyperpronation is more likely to be successful in your first attempt, and it should be your first go-to both to learn as a provider and to teach to your trainees and students. And after this episode, well, go ahead and check out pemblog.com for more great pediatric emergency medicine educational content. Follow me on Twitter at PEMTweets or check out the Facebook page. And if you've got a moment, drop me a comment. Send me a direct message on Twitter or leave a review on your favorite podcast site. I'd really appreciate the feedback. For PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Soboleski. See you next time.